Hi, this is Pastor Rob, and this is Speak Life. Thank you for joining us today. This is a podcast dedicated to getting to know the people of Our Savior's Palm Springs and specifically understanding their life story. I pray that these sessions together and these episodes that we share would bring us together closer as the body of Christ, especially during this time of stay-at-home orders where we can't meet together. So please take the time over these next few weeks to listen to these podcasts and these individual stories so that we can get to know each other a little bit better. Take care, God bless, and let's begin with our next episode. Well, hi, thanks for joining us on Speak Life, and I'm here with Chris Meyer. He is a elder at Our Saviors, has been an elder for many years, and just has been a blessing to me personally as an elder. Uh, most of you know him as the guy who loves to hug people at church, and I'm sure during this time, Chris, it's been hard for you because you can't do that as much as uh, you like to, right? It's uncomfortable. It's exactly. It's part of my nature. I'm sure that's true, but it's great to have you here, Chris, and uh, thank you for joining us. You know, we're going to spend a few moments here just talking about you and, and uh, your life and, and your story. So why don't you just start by sharing with us your early part of your life, where you grew up, all those kind of things. Okay, cool. Thanks for asking me. It's uh, humbling, and I am blessed to be here. Um, well, you know, I'm 57 now. I grew up in a military family. My father uh, was an officer in the military, so, uh, so I was born in Germany, and I moved five or six times before uh, my adult uh, ages, before I met my wife and settled down. So I moved a lot. And uh, moving a lot, uh, I never got to stay in one place more than four years, maybe five years. And so uh, yeah. um, we weren't a church-going family. I mean, I think I went to a vacation Bible school one time. and We would pop in and out of churches, perhaps uh, Easter and Christmas. So I had heard about God, and I heard about Noah's Ark. And I heard about like some guy named Adam eating an apple, but they were all cartoon characters. They were all yeah. just fictional cartoon characters. They were just stories that people had shared with you that you just really stories, didn't know. Yeah, just um, like a story of anything else. Yeah, just like Humpty Dumpty and Mickey Mouse and uh, uh, Speed Racer and all those cartoon characters. So that's that's all I had. I didn't have any authority attached behind it at all. Yeah, so you were in Germany. You were born there. How long did you live in Germany? Just for two years. Yeah. I was born there, and then my brother was born there. I was born at Wiesbaden. Okay. And my brother in Launchstuhl came back to the United States to uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, wow. And my dad got his master's degree. Then we moved to Okinawa, Japan for five years. And I was there, um, I think I was there from age like nine to 16. Yeah, because that was, that was our longest stint. My dad stayed an extra year. Learned How was that for you? Was that a good experience? Yeah, you know, it was Okinawa, and my dad was an officer, so we were in military housing, you know. By this point, uh, uh, you know, I, my sin had really taken over my life. I must tell you, I found alcohol at age uh, like 13. And mm. I found uh, women and girls and stuff like that uh, shortly thereafter. And um, I always had to be the life of the party. And um, and I was kind of brash. And uh, uh, I was very athletic at that time. But it was important that everybody liked me. That's something that, that mm. went throughout my life. I had to have everybody like me. So um, I was very much of a chameleon. I was one way at home in front of my parents, one way at school, and another way at in front of my friends. So there was a multitude of Chris Myers, and I could never figure out who I was. It was, uh, it was kind of painful and certainly uh, exhausting. And the thing that tied it all together was alcohol allowed me to, uh, you know, get through. And so I was drinking from 13 on. I mean, 
mom and dad worked a lot. So Rob, I just, uh, uh, I was, I drank every night and that's not the way to go through life. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, just a, a weird question maybe, but since you were exposed to alcohol so early, how did you get exposed to it that early? Did you, did you just pick it up one day or did, or what happened? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, mom and dad were all, dad worked all the time. My mom was a nurse, so she was working. Uh, uh, and she's also busy at the officer's wise gift shop. They were never home. My brother and I had eons of time by ourselves. And uh, so you would think we didn't have parents. So <laughs> um, dad liked cognac a little bit and he drank some beer. And so my friend's, uh, would come over after school. We'd all come over. Nobody's there. And we tried some alcohol and then we tried some more. And next thing you know, we were going off base to buy it. There's no age to get it. So, and they actually had vending machines for beer, but um, so we were drinking hard liquor very early. Wow. Very early. Yeah. That's early to start. And so that was a key part of your early life and sort of a development that carried on. Correct. Oh yes. Uh, oh my gosh. I, I drank uh, like that up through high school in the United States, came back to, uh, back to St. Louis, Missouri. My father got his PhD. Uh, and the reason I say this was his schooling and work took so much time. Um, you're a, you got your MBA, Rob, and as a pastor, you know how much schooling it takes to get those type of degrees. So dad, although he loved me, he was never really around much. He always encouraged me, but my mom and dad's way of encouraging and showing love was with uh, monetary items car at 16, always the best clothes, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I drank all the way up through college. I barely got out of high school. I had a 2.0. I got out of high school with a 2.0. Here I am, a Caucasian uh, kid playing the part of super stud, but um, uh, you know, smoking weed in the morning before school and uh, drinking uh, after school. Followed my friends into college. I had to go to a community college to get a, a C average because I I think on the uh, ACT, to get into college, you had to have an 18. And I think I had a nine. Yeah. I mean, my learning curve, I still cannot add fractions or multiply fractions or divide them. It's one of those blocks in, yep. uh, of the wall that I missed. Yep. Um, I learned, uh, the thing I became gifted at, I think, is personality. Because I talked to you about the chameleon status. So right. everybody liking me. So at age 20 years old, I found myself at Eastern Illinois a year and a half into college. And that's how long they allow you to stay at college and not have a C average. So I, I was kicked out of school, came home in a crying mess and just uh, everything uh, just piled on me. And the next thing I knew I was in rehab. So I went to rehab at age 20, was in there for 90 days, came out sober. Now I'm 21. I'm sober and I'm, I'm in St. Louis and praise God, who do I meet Rob at age 21? Your wife. Lisa Meyer. Exactly. My wife. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. Sober. She fell in love with a sober Chris Meyer, searching for myself. Who am I? No Jesus in my life, but at least I was sober. And she uh, had always known Jesus, brought up in a Christian household, uh, you know, youth leader of her uh, church, in choir. She had a relationship with Jesus. She had what we all want. Yeah. And, um, so we fell in love. We got married a year later, and um, she modeled a Christian woman. She, she was a prayerful woman that saw her husband slip back into alcoholism. I slipped back into yeah. the uh, drinking. Um, the amazing thing is, though, you, you and I share this part of our story is that our wives are the ones that sort of had an impact on our faith life, right? Oh, and these godly women that sort of came into our lives that 
that had a huge impact. And we can say, thank God for that. But it's interesting how our wives can actually help us that way. Oh, yes. My wife's, one of her favorite books is a, a praying wife. And she modeled that without, before even reading the book, she knew she couldn't change me. She knew that the only person that could was Jesus. And she just had to let uh, that time happen. Let God uh, at his divine appointed time touch me. Uh, that's so hard though. That didn't happen for 15 years. Yeah. And that's hard to wait like that. It's <laughs> hard to sit and wait. Yeah. 15 years. And uh, I was a good provider and she had a job. We were a two income family. We've always lived under our means. Um, we had two boys, Adam and Aaron. Um, and then at it, about year 2000, we're 15 years into our marriage. Uh, on the outside, everything looks good. You know, we're living in a little condo. We just bought a, we bought our home, the one I'm in right now. And um, everybody thought things were good, but inside I was a dark mess. I was lonely and I was tussling with who I am and why am I here? Uh, and uh, the alcohol was out of control. I wasn't getting the buzz I was. I was the alcohol wasn't doing what it used to do, numb me down and make me feel good. And Lisa noticed this. And then one day out of the blue, uh, she'd been going to Our Savior's church. She'd been taking our boys, Adam and Aaron, to church. And I, I was waking up with hangovers on Sunday. And she'd yeah. come home and she'd set the sermon notes on the, the kitchen counter. She did that for a couple of years, just set the sermon notes there, never bothered me. And, she, and so one day she said, honey, baby, do you want to go to church next Sunday with the boys and I? Uh, and I, the spirit touched me and I said, yes. And that Sunday at Our Savior's Church, I entered a place uh, that I had not been as an adult or had any uh, remembrance of being. And that was a, a welcoming, loving place. And I walked in and sat down in the pew uh, I think Ellen McIntosh happened to be one of my wife's friends, and she was there. Um, Carlene Garcia, a whole bunch of people that are still around. Yeah. And um, and I heard Pastor Mike back then, the pastor, talk about everything we know about love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, new life. Old is gone, the new has come. And to me, to me, it was all new. I could not believe what I was hearing. Right. The tears were rolling down my face, and. Uh, uh, that very Sunday, I, I, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He touched my heart. I cried out to him, help me, help me. I need you, Lord. Uh, if you can save me from myself, I will follow you. And uh, that was that was, two, that was 20 years ago, Rob, wow. 20 years ago. And it's as fresh now as it was then to me. Praise God. I mean, that's just an amazing story how God touches you that way. And just you, you walk into a church that is loving and suddenly that changes everything for you. Oh, everybody. Uh, and for the next four years, it was a blur. I had so much shame to get rid of and cry yeah. out. Yeah. I had to learn so many things. Uh, a couple of the uh, pastors on staff, Brian Chilcote and uh, Kip Hoke, uh, started meeting me for coffee, just like any of us can do with somebody, you know. Um, and uh, they walked me through the Bible, and we talked for a couple of years. And I, I slowly figured out after about the fourth year, um, yeah, that I was an alcoholic and I needed to get some counseling. I wanted to be more godly-like. I wanted to let God in my life, but God, I couldn't do that with the drinking that I was still doing. I was recognizing my sin. I was being yeah. convicted through the love uh, that I was hearing about. And that's a wonderful thing because I do believe God wants us to recognize our shortcomings, and then he'll help us through those as we uh, uh, call upon him to help us. So I went to counseling for 52 weeks in a row. Uh, during that time, I decided it's time to stop drinking, and I did. And I, uh, I was sober for like 12 years. 
And wow. during that time, you know, I was at our saviors all that time going on mission trips. I went to Kyrgyzstan for a, a month with my wife and two boys and taught English as a second language to Muslims. And of course, Mexico quite a few times, started teaching the Dave Ramsey classes, got involved with the Kairos prison ministries yep. and uh, started learning that God loved me for who I am with, with my shortcomings yep. and my weaknesses, as well as with my strengths. And so uh, it's been a wonderful ride that I, uh, just hug every day and every morning before I put my foot on that ground, I say, dear Jesus, thank you for saving me from me. Yeah. And saving you from you is, is something all of us need to be thinking about, right? Yes. That, yeah, that we need to be saved from ourselves because We're we know that creatures. we all are sinful beings. and The broken and world. We exactly don't right. We are. And, uh, only the amazing thing about that, your whole story, though, is the fact that, you know, you probably never would have thought that you would be doing the things you are in ministry that you are right now. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Nothing that I've done could I have done even sober by myself, going into prisons and hanging out with uh, all these uh, gentlemen in there, um, going to you know <laughs> an all-Muslim country of Kyrgyzstan for 30 days, uh, teaching these Dave Ramsey classes. And I think having a passion for that, you can't fake that. You can't fake uh, doing something like that. It's something that uh, God has ignited within me. And this Holy Spirit is a live entity. Uh, Jesus came, died again, rose on the third day, and he left behind his Holy Spirit. So I don't try. My wife and I, we pray every morning before she leaves the house. She usually leaves before me. And we pray that we don't rely on our own energy. We, have, we, we, we pray that we call yeah. upon the Holy Spirit to direct us and that we can hear and discern what uh, the Lord is saying to us and that we act upon that. In my early walk, um, I would hear things and discern things, but I wasn't as quick to act on those things. Right. Um, as I've walked more, oh, you've, we've, it's a Kairos moment. I look for yeah. Kairos moments, special moments in time that are unique to me, and I act upon them. So I, I let people know God loves them. I invite them to church, just all kinds of things. And uh, it's easy to do that when I know that I'm answering to God. Uh, it's hard to embarrass me because the only time I'm really embarrassed is when I don't uh, react and answer to that discernment that I hear. That's what yeah. embarrasses me when uh, the world creeps into my life. And it does. It does to all of us. Yeah. Well, so now the amazing thing about all this too is, is Lisa has been by your side this whole time and has stayed true to you. And, and what an amazing part of your story that is that, that you've had this devoted wife and um, she's seen this huge change in you. Oh, praise God. And, and at our Savior's Church, uh, the, yeah. the Ruth and Ira Anderson, uh, oh, the list goes on and on. Uh, the McWhorters, um, uh, uh, Jerry and, and his wife, uh, Val. Well, it's full, our, our church is full of Christian couples that have their ups and downs, and they stay by each other's side. And yeah. inevitably, one or the other passes. And, um, and uh, so it's nice to have this camaraderie, this mentorship, if you will, of Christian uh, couples that don't pretend to be haughty and all that. They're just broken, sinful creatures, yeah. but they, uh, they stay in the word and they stay at church and uh, they know that God is our Lord. And, uh, so we want to answer to him and him only. And, um, and so we know we have eternal life. And, you know, it takes the sting out of the pain of death. Yeah. Uh, nobody wants to leave their loved ones. But I'll tell you what. I sure want to go kick it with Jesus. Yeah, exactly. I can't <laughs> wait for that, right? I can't. It's, a, it's an exciting a, thing that 
uh, not everybody has in this world, but I sure uh, pray that they, 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 they do find that and that God touches them. And I hope I can uh, be a vehicle of God's. I want to be God's hands and feet. I want to do my little part for him, you know, so um, I don't want to be lazy, even yeah. though I'm a human and it's part of my world. I want to come home sometimes and watch the TV, but uh, um, I don't think that's what God has in store for Chris Meyer. I don't think that's his plan for my life. And, yeah. uh, and I want to honor him. He saved me. And uh, I just am humbled and thankful. Well, it's amazing too, to think about um, our saviors in general, as I think one thing that I do love about our saviors is the fact that we understand that the church is there for broken people. You know, and what Pat is doing through CR and how we welcome people in, um, that's such an important thing. And not to think that that the church is this place for perfect people, because that's not what it is. Oh. And I think the more and more that uh, we can hear stories like yours that, that make sure people understand that that's really what the church is about and what Jesus is about. Jesus takes broken people and he transforms their lives, which is exactly what he's done for yours. Praise God. Thank you very much. I yeah. uh Yes. And uh, I am not ashamed of my past. It's not, it's not me anymore. And it's a small part of my story, but I think it's important for people to hear. And uh, yep. And just, uh, it's so great to have you in our lives, Rob. I'll tell you, there was a, we had a big void there at our church for uh, a number of years and us elder dudes and our, the wives and the congregation were wondering who is going to be our shepherd. Who's going to come and lead us and praise God. It's Rob Goodwin and Cheryl. Oh my gosh. It's just oh. been wonderful having you here in this weird, odd time. Yeah, and, uh, It's just awesome. We get to kick it with you and we get to hear God's word uh, through your discernment on what he wants us to hear. And every Sunday, my wife and I are just leaning forward and uh, we're never disappointed. It's wonderful. Well, praise God for that. I mean, the amazing thing that I like about what you just said, though, was that you don't look at your past with shame. You look at your past, and this is something I think all of us need to understand, is that, that we all need to look at our lives and say there's good and bad. And what, what we would call that is in a character structure mindset is this idea of integration, is that we have to integrate in us the good and the bad and realize that the good or the bad doesn't define us. It's Jesus that defines us. And ultimately, yes, yes. we have to learn to live with the good and bad within each of us. And once we accept that and learn to live with it, we can be freed to do what you are doing and how you live right now, which is just a great example for us all. So Chris, I just thank you for spending the time with us today. Thank you for the time here as well. And, um, you know, I just thank God that you are here at our Savers functioning as an elder, that uh, you and your wife are such a key integral part of what we do. And I just say thank you for God for bringing you here and with the story that you have as well. And I hope that many people who hear this will get a huge blessing from it as well. Okay. So thank He's you. For being here. Thank you for sharing. Okay. Yes. Take care. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Speak Life. These are recordings, once again, of people of Our Savior's Palm Springs. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service, where you can get to know all of these members and additional members who are just tremendous people of Palm Springs. So please come and join us. God bless.